Welcome to the Living Library Radio Podcast Project. This project aims to share human stories of immigration and integration by highlighting diverse stories of transition, settlement, and belonging. This series tells the stories of newcomers living, working, and building their lives in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. The Living Library Project is a storytelling program of the New Canadian Centre. This radio podcast series is produced by the New Canadian Centre in partnership with Trent Radio and hosted by me, Jill Stavely. Launched in September 2018, the Living Library Project was established with the goal of sharing the diverse and compelling stories of newcomers through public speaking engagements. Since then, it has grown into a multimodal storytelling project. In this series, we bring you the stories of six newcomers living, working, and building their lives in Peterborough, Ontario. These are stories of home, belonging, loss, hope, community, and so much more. Redefining Home and Belonging, Bisham's Story Being an immigrant for nearly all his life, the question of home and belonging always made Bisham anxious. That is, until a transformative class in his third year of university sparked some new ideas for him. In this episode, Bisham takes us through his immigrant experiences, redefining home and belonging along the way. Thank you so much for being here today. This is a kind of an important conversation of the NCC Living Library Project because you've been organizing this whole mm-hmm. whole project, um, but you're also here as a storyteller to tell your own story. Could you introduce yourself to us, please? Yeah, so my name is Basham Ramitar. I am a newcomer to Canada. I've been here for six years now. I originally moved to Canada to go to Trent, where I went to school for four years, and I've since then been working here in Peterborough. I was born in Trinidad and Tobago, but I lived for most of my life in Guyana in South America uh, before moving to Canada. Could you tell us where Trinidad and Tobago is? Yeah, so Trinidad is the southernmost island in the Caribbean Sea. Uh, So it's a very hot country, which I don't like very much. Mm. So it's one of the reasons why I ran away to Canada. Um, But it is a vibrant, very beautiful country. Um, I only lived there until I was uh, six years old, but Mm -hmm. I do remember it to be a beautiful country. And I go home usually about once a year. And one of the things that I love most about my country is the mountains. So it's a very mountainous country. There are three mountain ranges. So any direction you are, if you look around, you'll see mountains, Mm -hmm. whether in the north, the central or, or the south. Um, being an island, it's also surrounded by the sea. Right. So you can drive in any direction. Within two or three hours, you're at the sea. Wow. Um, so it's very beautiful. Yeah. The people of Trinidad are very warm, very welcoming, very vibrant people. And they are very friendly. So it's very similar to here where in Canada where you're on the road and someone will ask you, how are you doing? So it's very similar there. But there they actually stop to have that conversation yeah. with you, whereas here it's kind of just a, a formality. Absolutely. Sort of. But it's it's a very beautiful country and I do in, quite enjoy going back home because my entire family continues to live there and I have a very large family. My mom comes from a, a family of uh, nine siblings. Wow who all have kids of their own, so I have 30 cousins. Holy Lord. And my dad uh, comes from a family of six siblings, um, many of which have kids of their own as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did, you, did you grow up with all of these cousins around? Are they around the same age as you, or what's um, the spread? A lot of them are quite older than me. I'm one of the, the younger generation, but I do have cousins who are within 
two, three, four, five years uh, away from me. So I, I did grow up for those first six years surrounded by them. Um, uh, where we lived until I was six uh, was my grandparents' home. Okay. So my mom, my dad, and myself had the apartment downstairs. And upstairs, my grandparents lived with uh, two of my aunts, their, right. their kids. And to the back in the the apartment to the back was my other uncle, his wife, and their two kids. Right. So the, the house was full of kids. And then one street away was my mom's m- mom. And in that household, there were about three of, of her kids with their families as well. So every day I was surrounded by, by family. Yeah. So is that very common to yeah. to live in extended families yeah. very close together? It is. It's very it's very common to uh, to continue to uh, to live in your household even after you get married. Yeah, it's very common for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. very different than than here. You say that you know the the similarities of of like hi, how are yeah. you? It's very much a formality, and yeah. you find people often say, well, actually, how are you? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, after people answer yeah. the normal answer, yeah. um, but but here, people tend to move away. Yeah. yeah. So you've talked about the landscape, mm-hmm. the mountain regions, and, and living with your extended family and just down the street from your yeah. mom's parents and stuff. Are there any like really formative or special memories that you have yeah. about the interactions you had yeah. rather than the things that you saw or that you yeah. knew about? So I was only there until I was six, so I don't have a, a whole lot of memories from, yeah. from there. Um, but just before I turned two, my father actually passed away. Okay. So what I do remember, I have no memories of him, mm-hmm. but what I do remember is uh, being raised in a single single-parent household. But even though it was a single-parent household, there were family all around. So family was huge and it continues to be huge, even though we're separated quite a bit now. Back then, you know, every single day was was family. I would go Mm -hmm. to school and my kindergarten was on a hill. Um, And then when I started primary school, it was actually one street away. (laughs) Everything was in close proximity. My grandmother would walk me to school and pick me up after school and I would go home. My mom worked like two streets away. So everything was just very, very close by, very connected. Um, So which is what made it so difficult when I did move away when I was six with my mom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you left with your mom and who else? It was just my mom and I. We okay. moved uh, uh, to Guyana in South America. Uh, I was about six years old at that time. Mm-hmm. And my mom had been, after losing uh, her husband, mm-hmm. my father, she was looking for opportunities to better provide for me and to find other opportunities. And uh, at that that moment in time, it just so happened that she was given an opportunity to uh, move to Guyana to work for an engineering firm there. Okay. And so at that particular time, her brother was living there with his wife and right. they were on the verge of leaving. So we used that opportunity as a chance to kind of go and visit and see what it was like yeah. and if we wanted to stay. And uh, we did that. And I, I stayed there with my mom for 13 years and she continues to live there. But I remember for the first five years, I always thought it was temporary. Right. And I remember uh, after every school year, I would always tell my friends goodbye. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I won't see you in the in the new year. I'm oh, moving wow. back home. And then come September, I'm, I'm back at school yeah. <laughs> with them. So it took me a very long time because I always thought it was just it was just for now. I, yeah. I was going to go home. And then it was only after about five years that I re- really realized, like, this is not temporary. This is uh, something more permanent, yeah. for sure. How did that make you feel? At that time, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I didn't really have a, a conceptualization of what it all meant. I just, I knew it was, it was very difficult at the at the start to mm-hmm. 
go from having family every single day, surrounded by by people your age, to yeah. in, in a household full of like like six, seven people who all loved you, yeah, openly, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> to just being my mom and I, like that was very hard mm-hmm. at first to to not have people my age to socialize with and to just mm-hmm. be my mom and I. And I really did want to go back home. Um, in part because at school I, I was teased a lot mm-hmm. because of my accent. Right. So uh, culturally wise, Ghana and Trinidad are very similar. Our dialects are, are very uh, different. Mm-hmm. So I sounded very, very different. Okay. So I was teased a lot growing up in, yeah. in schools there. And that made me just want to return home and be surrounded by people who yeah. sounded sounded like me. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. I mean, moving from schools to school, even in the in the same region, you know, you can yeah. have all of this childhood stuff, but to be to be different, to yeah. be entirely different, yeah, and just want to go home. That's a pretty huge, yeah, experience to to process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And I remember with the, when it came to speech, I remember at a very young age, I made I made that choice to not speak like I would. So right. I, I would sp- I, I started to change the ways that we would pronounce certain words to standard English and right. which is one of the reasons why I no longer have an accent from back yeah. home because I made uh, that conscious decision at a very young age to alternate how I how I spoke. Right. Yeah. Wow. To separate you from your own family or your identity. Yeah. It's it's an interesting yeah. it's an interesting problem to have to face mm-hmm. to decide how you're gonna fit in or how you're gonna modify the self to not yeah. stand out or yeah. you know. Yeah. I think about those things. Yeah. So I think we've talked about this in a really roundabout way. <laughs> but but what does home mean to you? Like you felt like you weren't home and yeah. that at the end of every school year you said goodbye to your, yeah. your schoolmates, you know, maybe yeah. you weren't in a great spot but what was what did home mean for you at that time yeah uh, for the first um 16 17 years of my life i home is very challenging concept Mm -hmm. i always hated the question where are you from or where's home i always avoided it at all costs and it was a question that always made me feel anxious when when i was asked that because i didn't have an answer at that time i i thought home is a place it's it can only be one place it's it had to be a singular place and it had to be a country. And for me, I, I was having to face this tug and pull between my country of birth where I have so many beautiful memories of yeah. family to a country that, while at first I didn't like and I felt out of place, I learned to appreciate and I, I learned to love because of the opportunities it provided me. Yeah. But I felt like answering the question, where are you from, where is home, I had to choose between one right and if i chose trinidad i was alienating the country i was living in mm-hmm. and if i was choosing ghana i was alienating the country that i was born in yeah so that was very hard for me and for a very long time when i answered that question i would give a very roundabout answer that would be about seven minutes long <laughs> kind of just giving my life story yeah. and after that seven minutes i still have not really told you where is home i've told you where, where i've lived yeah but um yeah but for those first couple of years, it was it was very very hard to to really understand what home home yeah. meant. It's one of the questions that you know we've talked about belonging and home yeah. a lot through this this recording series through yeah. this this project. So I mean, obviously, the idea of home has changed for you. Yes. Yeah. So how did that happen? Yeah, it actually happened uh, at university here in in Canada and. Um, in my third year, and even up to my third year, that was still a very hard question for yeah. me because 
I now had three countries that I was I was trying to factor in. I had my my birth country, the country I spent most of my life, and the new country that I was being educated in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was very hard for me to choose between the three, and um, but that really began to change for me in my third year here in Canada. I was taking a community development class um, in my third year. It's called Indigenous and International Community Development. Okay. Uh, At Trent taught, University? Yeah, and it's taught by, by Professor Lynn Davis. Okay. And for me, that remains one of the best classes of my entire four years at Trent, um, in part because she helped me, that class helped me address this, this concept of home. And yeah. on the first day of that class, um, she sits us down, removes all the tables. We sit in a circle and... Her, one of her first questions to the class is, uh, where is home? And as soon as I heard that question, I started to get very anxious because it's a class of 20 people going around in a circle. I'm like, I don't have seven minutes to go through my yeah. spiel. Yeah. And I started to get very anxious about what this meant. And I, I ended up doing that spiel at all the places I lived. But yeah. that entire course, that year, was really about what home means for people. Um, who are displaced, what home right. means for people whose land is taken away, whose culture is taken away, and people who are fighting to get those back. And I remember early on in that course, I decided that for that year, I was going to try to figure out what that meant for me. Yeah. And that was really what helped me realize that home doesn't have to be one place, and it doesn't have to be a place. It can be an idea, it can be a concept. And that helps me recognize that home is multiple things. It's it's a person, it's a country, it's a, mm-hmm. it's my room in my apartment, yeah. it's where I work, it's, it's so many things and it's there's so many parts of my experiences that I take with me that form what home means for me. Mm-hmm. So that has changed for me and I, it's a question that I, I don't, I still don't always know how to answer, but I don't feel as nervous anymore yeah. when I'm asked it. What a, what a gift, what a gift from, from education, you know, yeah. we, we often think about you know, taking the big trip away from home to yeah. go to university or to go to college or to go yeah. and to do something entirely different. And the way that we understand it is, you know, books and papers and marks. But yeah. this gift of being able to, to learn something yeah. just that's deep down inside yeah. of you about the way that you understand the mm-hmm. world. That that it's not, um, no one else is going to understand it in the same way yeah. as you. Yeah, because it's your own experience that you've finally been able to contextualize yeah so you ended up in canada to go to trent university yes how did yeah. you pick peterborough so actually um canada was uh sorry trent was only canadian university i applied to okay um when i was uh, in guyana so this is one of the reasons why i came to love guyana uh, in retrospect, was because it provided me an opportunity, a platform to come here, yeah. um, in in the people that I met there, and so one of them being a close family friend of ours who did her undergrad in Guyana and then went on to do her masters in Germany, um, and then eventually her PhD in Sweden. And I remember being starting high school when she moved to Germany for her masters, and I would hear her stories about uh, this other country and experiencing snow and hearing a different language and that really made me recognize that there was more out there in the world and hearing her stories made me want to experience those things for myself and uh, that was the beginning of high school and so I worked those six years working on a ways to find this dream to come 
come true. And for a long time, I wanted to move to the UK or to Europe. Um, so I, many of the universities I applied to were were over there. And mm-hmm. for me, coming from a single parent household, I knew that we m- would not be able to afford sending me abroad. So I knew I needed to look for other other avenues. And yeah. it just so happened I did a Google search one night, um, a scholarships in Canada. Oh. And Trent was probably the very first, it was on the first page, maybe the very first option. And yeah. I clicked on it and started perusing the website. And I started to like it because they had things that I wanted to study. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a couple other searches within Canada, but nothing really stood out to me. Perhaps it was the nature of Trent. Uh, I'm not really sure, but it was the only university I applied to here. and. Right. I ended up being offered a, a scholarship to come to come to Trent, and I decided that that was the opportunity I would I would go for, and so that was kind of how I ended up here. It was just kind of in some ways by chance that I found it yeah. on a Google search, right? Yeah. Oh, it's funny how life kind of falls into place. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. What was your first impression of, <laughs> of Peterborough or of, of Canada? What was yeah. your What's your first memory? What was your first? Yeah. So. Uh, I moved here, I came here in, in August, and okay. um, uh, a trend, um, we have, they, every year they accept probably about 500 international students mm-hmm. a year. So before uh, the university orientation, Trent, will, Trent International will have uh, their own uh, international student orientation. Right. That's uh, meant to be introduction to Canada, mm-hmm. to Peterborough, and to Trent before you go off to the, the, the formal Trent orientation. and. Right. Um, at that time, six years ago, uh, they used to do their orientation at a camp in Halliburton. Okay. Um, I don't remember the name of the camp. Um, yeah. So when I arrived here in Canada, it was around noon, and um, they were waiting uh, for uh, Trent was waiting for you with a bus to take you to the camp. And right. so I waited for about six hours for the rest of the students to right. arrive, and then around six p.m. We, we left uh, the airport okay. heading to Halliburton. Straight to the camp from the airport. Yeah. Whoa. And so you oh. leave around six, so it does get dark. Yeah. And I remember getting off the highway and then it's pitch dark. Yeah. You're heading on the two sides of your trees and there's no light on the road. Yeah. And you're just heading aimlessly for hours. And that's my first introduction to Canada. I remember being on the bus wondering, like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Where are they taking you? Where are they taking me? Then I get off the bus and there's no light at the camp. Uh Uh, So they're ushering you out of the bus with flashlights, trying to get your name. Then you go into a cabin. Wow. And nine other boys are asleep and you have to sneak into your bed. So that was not the most enlightening experience, first experience. (laughs) And for me, my head wasn't in the right place because it was the first time that I was away from my mom for more than two days. And How old were you? I was was 18 at the time. And You feel old when you're 18, but when you look back, you realize how young. Yeah. 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 But I remember at that time, all I wanted to do was call my mom and just let her know that I was there. And I couldn't do that. I, you were in Halliburton. Yeah. <laughs> there was no internet. So I had. To, I, I did let her know that I would probably be a couple of days before that I could message you. But yeah. it was still very hard to not be able to, yeah. to just let her know that you're safe and you're okay. And yeah. I remember those 
those two day two days that I was there, I just kind of wanted it to be over with because yeah. I wanted to to uh, to just have my own bed. I wanted to just talk to my mom. Yeah. So that was my first experience in Canada. They no longer do that. Yeah. <laughs> Now they do their orientation at, at Trent, which is yeah. uh, in some ways uh, much more much more better because you're getting to experience university itself. But yeah. I do remember the first time I got to see the university because. Before I had just seen in in pictures, yeah. but I got to see it in real life now, and I remember just kind of walking around the campus, taking pictures, and yeah. appreciating that I had finally achieved something that I set out to six years prior. Yeah, so, yeah. Wow, what a huge experience for a young person! I think about there's lots of different ways that that we. That we move, or that we, you know, travel, or mm-hmm. find new new spaces, and the transition to start off yeah. your post secondary yeah. academic experience yeah. as a young person, leaving this very safe space mm-hmm. to try and and acclimatize yeah. and to adapt. And to, I mean, yeah. how many hours were you on a plane? Yeah. You know, you're tired, you're hungry, like all of these things. What was the general feeling of of all the people? Because you were all in the same mm-hmm. position. You're mm-hmm. all you're all young. Yeah. You're all coming to a new place. You're yeah. all sort of probably looking to each other to figure mm-hmm. out how other people are, are coping. What yeah. What was that community yeah. experience like? It, well, actually, my my first my first year, I did. I felt like I didn't have a community. Mm-hmm. It was very hard for me to to really find where I belonged here in Canada in Peterborough and. I kind of went that first year without really having very many friends and having mm-hmm. people uh, like me. I started off with a couple friends from back home, but then we kind of drifted apart because I couldn't really um, uh, connect with them, understand their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I kind of kind of just drifted apart, and I was kind of on my own, and that made it very uh, very hard for mm-hmm. me to face all these new challenges, but not have. Have that support system in person to be able to to connect with. Yeah. In retrospect, in that first year, I didn't want to admit that I was sure. I was experiencing culture shock because uh, this was something that I really believed that I could do, and so to admit to myself that it was challenging that I was experiencing that was very difficult for me, and I didn't yeah. want to do that. I didn't want to ask for the help until after my first year when I I sat down with myself and I said to myself that. Like this is not what you expected, and mm-hmm. you have to ask for help, and you have to find ways to find a community, and so that began to change uh, the following year. And um, finding that community really impacted every aspect of my life, from yeah. not just my mental health, but also academically. My grades started to go up because I was happier. Yeah. Um, so that first year was very difficult. Yeah. But uh, the following years, I started to to experience more more happiness and more joy. Oh. In, in the experience, yeah. it takes a lot of strength and self reflection to be able to find the the courage to yeah. identify that experience mm-hmm. and then to ask for the help that you need. Yeah, it was very difficult for me to admit to myself that I was experiencing culture shock and yeah. that I was having a difficult difficult first year, and so that kind of began to to change. In the later parts of, of my, my first year, um, I understood that I was having a difficult time and that I needed needed support. And for me, asking for help was very difficult. Yeah. But I recognized at that point that uh, that I did need I did need that support. And mm-hmm. so, 
one of the things that I did in that later part of that first year was I I sought help from a peer supporter, okay, at Trent. So, so there's a program called the Rebound Program, and so I, I signed up for it and I got matched with a third year student in my major who kind of just met with me on a weekly basis to just check in and yeah. any challenges I was facing, whether it was like writing a paper or or going to an event, she would be there to provide that support and encouragement, yeah. uh, provide tips and tell me about her experience. And so that that yeah. really helped me because I, that first year I didn't really have friends. I was having a really difficult time mm-hmm. finding that community. And so she was this person, her name was, was Olivia, and she was this person who I felt accountable to. Right. And so I would report to her on a weekly basis. Yeah. And so I came from a time when it was my mom and me and my mom helped held me accountable. Yeah. And so not having my mom here and the person to, to keep me accountable, uh, she became in some ways that person for me. Um, yeah. And so that really helped me throughout the last uh, couple of weeks of my first year. And then when I started my second year, I, I re- recognized that I needed a community and I needed to find people with similar interests. And yeah. so uh, for my second, third and fourth year, I started to seek out clubs and groups. Okay that shared interest that I did. And so I joined uh, the Red Cross Group of Trends, a charity organization. So I got to meet people who share the same world values as me. And later on, I joined other charitable organizations within Trend as well. I started to work at Trend. Um, My first job was an academic skills center at Trend, um, working on publications, so helping them uh, produce publications um, and then attending special events to right. promote the center. So that really helped me find people who had similar interests. Mm-hmm. Then when I started my third year, I had an opportunity to give back by working for the rebound program that supported me. Yeah, And so I began to support students facing challenges that I did and so that was very rewarding because I was able to tell them about the challenges of my first year and I worked for that for about two and a half years Mm -hmm. and I worked with about 60 students so it was very meaningful work for me and it really helped me also recognize that I wanted to to work in a a field where I could help people and so throughout my my four years I was always working in trends in various roles, meeting people, participating in student groups and clubs, both academic, but also the, the fun ones as well. And so that really helped me find people like me and started to make friends, yeah. making those friends and having those those extracurriculars and that community really impacted mm-hmm. every aspect of my academic life, my, yeah. my personal life, my mental health in so many ways. And so I really rebounded from that first year. Yeah. And Although that year was difficult in retrospect, I'm happy that it happened that way mm-hmm. because I, I've learned so many lessons from, from those yeah. challenges of those, that first year. So during this time of, of transition yeah. to, you know, figuring out um, how to be you mm-hmm. in, this, in this new space, what are some memories that you could mm-hmm. share with us about your time at yeah. Trent University? Yeah. Oftentimes the, the memories that, that really stand out is my first memories of culture shock. Yeah experiencing and I, I often share these stories because they're they're funny but they also show that even the smallest of things can be very different for people and when I first moved here I lived in an apartment um, that was owned by Trent um, right. with two other other people and so I had my own room but we shared the living room the kitchen and so on and yeah. one of the things I was most excited about was being able to cook right um, so when I first uh, arrived here in Canada, I saw my stove and it has burners. So my initial thoughts, 
at first was this is a gas stove. Because back home, right. our stoves with burners are gas-powered and oh. electric stoves back home are flat surface right. with uh, the, ra- the burners painted on. Okay. And so for the first week or so, I was not cooking because I couldn't find matches. Right. I would go to Walmart, ask for matches, and they would say, maybe check the hunting section. And I thought to myself, yeah. that's a ridiculous place to put matches. Yeah. For everyday household use. Yeah. So I couldn't find matches there. It was probably about a week later that I um, I went to the Max convenience store. Yeah. And I asked for matches. And yeah. they give you the little paper ones. Yeah. And so I bought like like four of those packs yeah. of paper ones. And I thought to myself walking back, like, I'm going to need 100 of these a week. Right. <laughs> so I get home and I'm super excited to yeah. cook now. I put my, my pot on the stove. Yeah. I strike the match, turn the burner on, and it's not catching fire. Right. And so I'm getting so upset. Right. Because I'm so excited to cook for the yeah. first time in a week. And so I run across the hallway. I, I ask my friend, can you come help me, like my stove? She's like, just turn it on. I'm like, but it's not coming on. Right. So she comes over, she looks at it, and she just starts laughing. She's like, it's an electric stove. You don't need matches. <laughs> so that I share that story uh, because for, for me and for many yeah. other newcomers who come from different parts of the world, like gas stoves have burners and electric stoves are flat surfaces. Right. And so I wasn't able to conceptualize that this was yeah. an electric stove. And so that was, that was very new for me. Yeah. And then the other one is actually... Uh, Tim Hortons. Okay. So my first year, I I studied history and international development. Yeah. And one of the first things that I did was join the History Society at Trent. Okay. And uh, we were planning an event in the fall, and they asked if I would go to Tim Hortons and get to take tens of hot chocolate. Right. I didn't know what that was, and I didn't want to ask. Right. Because I felt that it would make me sound sound weird or sound stupid. Yeah. So I said, I'm just going to go and ask for it and get what I get. Yeah. So I, I go to the Tim Hortons and I ask for two take tens of hot chocolate and I get two boxes. And for me, that was very, very weird because for two reasons, I, I could not understand how you could put a hot chocolate in a box. Right. Like, how do you open it? How do you pour it? How does it stay warm? Yeah. And the other thing is I couldn't understand how you serve hot chocolate at a cafe because mm-hmm. back home... We we don't do that in Trinidad. We, we grow cocoa. Okay. So we just pick the the raw cocoa from the tree. We yeah. create it. We add milk and we boil it, and that's hot chocolate. Right. It's not something you buy outside. It's not something yeah. you get at a cafe. So that was very weird for me to yeah. to go ask for hot chocolate and then to get it in a in a box. Yeah. Um. So I remember walking back with these two things, just kind of laughing at myself. But also just uh, recognizing in retrospect how how new that was for me. Yeah. As well. Well, and the transition in those moments, you know, we are we're lucky when we can hang on to those mm-hmm. those ideas of being in that time and that space. Because yeah. at the moment, it doesn't feel very good to yeah. not understand what's going yeah. on and to feel so alone. Yeah, that you're trying. You know, you must have been so frustrated and hungry for a week. Yeah, trying to figure and I, and I'm trying to picture in my mind how to light a coil stove. Yeah, you know, because like when I when I think of a gas stove, I think yeah. of something something different. Yeah, but you do you take for granted right what's normal for you? Yes, yes. And I guess this is in a place like Peterborough. Mm-hmm. There is a very distinct group of people mm-hmm. that are normal. Yeah. In Peterborough, and a very distinct group of ideas that are mm-hmm. normal in right. in Peterborough, you right. know, with the with the history of, of yeah. settler culture, yeah. lots of Irish and mm-hmm. and English and Scottish descendants yeah. here specifically. Having 
the influx of community members through Trent University and through through Fleming College on this small mm-hmm. town, yeah. you know, and it's it's changed. Like these ideas of normal are changing yeah. as people talk about right. how their idea of normal is yeah. different, yes. right? Like yes. the more we have these conversations, yeah. we're like, wow, yeah. even <laughs> from family to family, like what's normal for you know, yeah. your idea of, of how you serve this dish or what's yes. normal for how you, yeah. you know, celebrate this holiday or what's yeah. normal for you for how you get to work. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But how traumatizing <laughs> that must have been. In those moments. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> how long have you been in Peterborough now? Uh, six years. Six yeah. years. Okay. Yeah. Obviously had a life-changing moment in your third year at, at mm-hmm. Trent University and you survived a lot of, <laughs> you know, normal things for, yeah. for people as we, as we grow up. We have a yeah. lot of challenges. Um, why did you stay in Peterborough? Mm. It kind of happened by, uh, by chance. Yeah. Uh, it was not really something that was planned. Um, after university, I was, uh, my intention was to go somewhere else and mm-hmm. to work and to go back to school. And so I didn't really... I didn't really have a solid plan of where or or what, but okay. I that was always something that I was planning on doing. And in the midst of, of that, this opportunity to work at the New Canadian Centre yeah. emerged. And um, when, when I was offered the position, I decided I would just do this. And I hadn't really stopped to think that I was going to be remaining in Peterborough, but it was being able to work at the New Canadian Centre was also not something that I necessarily planned on or mm-hmm. Working with newcomers um, was also not something that I necessarily planned on. It was something that just kind of happened. But yeah. at first, th- that uh, decision to, s- to remain in Peterborough was just kind of by chance. Mm-hmm. But I choose to stay here two years later because I found a community here. Yeah. Um, that period from transitioning from Trent to post-graduation was, was yeah. also very, very difficult because... For four years, although I lived in Peterborough, my community was Trent. Yeah. And I would say every single day I spent on the Trent campus mm-hmm. during the week, going to classes, but also on the weekends, I would go to the library. So every single day I was seeing Trent, I was seeing Trent people. My friends were Trent students. Yeah. Um, I, I worked at Trent um, student, for student jobs. My coworkers were Trent employees. Yeah. So my world revolved around Trent. I lived in a Trent bubble. Yeah. And when I left um, and I started working at the New Canadian Centre, I, I stopped seeing Trent as often. I wasn't there every day. So it was very yeah. different to realign your focus to actually seeing Peterborough for the first time, although you were living here. Mm-hmm. I had to engage with the people who, who live here, with people who work here. It was almost like I was... I was moving somewhere else in some yeah. ways because I was discovering this new community of community members. And so I, I choose to stay here two years later because of, of my job that I love and the people that I get to meet with that share many of the same experiences that I do that yeah. help me understand and process my own experiences as well. But I also get to meet meet great people in our community then I get to see it different side yeah. of this community that I've been here for six years, but I'm really only now really discovering. What was it like the first time you walked in to the new Canadian Centre? So the first time I walked in was for my, my job interview. Yeah. And it was, very, it was funny because um, I have a friend, her name is Sabina, who works there as well. Yeah. And I, I went to school with her for, for those four years and we took a lot of the same classes 
And I d- did not know she worked at the New Canadian Center. Okay. Um, because she, she doesn't live in Peterborough. She lives somewhere else. And right. so she all, often commuted. And so after graduation, we kind of fell apart. And I didn't really know where she was. Mm-hmm. And then I walk in for my interview. And there she is sitting at the front desk. It was right. very, in some ways, it, it made me feel like, like, yes, I don't know anyone else here. But I know one person. Yeah. Um, so going to that interview felt good because I felt like I was not alone, although she wasn't with me. Um, and then when I started working there, it was my first day was actually um, a potluck. Okay. So oh, that's and, so nice. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> and the one thing that has remained true is at the NCC since my two years there is food. Um, yeah. Food is a huge constant. It's a great way to bring people together and. Uh, we use it as a great way to, to really help people feel welcome. So there's, there's always food and an opportunity to try a different different culture's uh, food. And um, so so my first day uh, there was was this massive potluck. Um, so that was that was always a, 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 an experience that I always remember. That's that's in my memory. Yeah. yeah. I think this theme through this whole project you know these ideas of, of belonging and home mm-hmm. uh, meant one thing for you when you were little and then it was a challenge for you as you were growing up and and you had third year uh epiphany yeah right? I, I guess how did the new canadian center your experiences there how has that helped you understand mm-hmm. or come to terms with or redefine your idea yeah. of home and belonging yeah it it helped me to uh, bring back those experiences for my third year and so uh, after that class happened, I started to think about these concepts, um, and then it I, I went went on to with my education and not really sitting there to actually internalize all of these things and to to go to the next step uh, with those those new ideas that I had about home home and belonging. And so, working at the NCC, I get to meet people from all over the world yeah. every single day. I meet someone new from a country that I've never heard of or never been to. And I hear their stories of, of how they, they've come to Canada, of their countries, of what they love about their countries, about what they miss. And uh, when I started working on this project, that became a central point because it's a question that a lot of newcomers have uh, have to face as well. And um, so being able to work on this project also helped me internalize being able to take those experiences from my third year mm-hmm. of reconceptualizing home and belonging and put it into action and sharing what those experiences mean to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and by doing that, also uh, giving voices to other newcomers who are facing the same challenges that I that I have faced as well. Yeah. You got the job <laughs> at the NCC. Can you tell us um, what you do? Yeah. You know, like yeah. what's your job title? Yeah. <laughs> what do you like? What do you, how do you do the work? Mm-hmm. At the New Canadian Centre, I work there as an, the outreach worker. And so my job is split up into three portfolios, I, I would I would call it. So major part of my role is actually communications. So I work on the New Canadian Centre, uh, on sharing the New Canadian Centre story mm-hmm. through various campaigns that we have. So this year in particular is our 40th anniversary so our campaign is called the We Belong Campaign, which is all about stories of home, of hope, 
of belonging and community mm-hmm. in our 40 years. And so a large part of my role right now is, is sharing that, that 40th story with the community and finding ways to, to engage people in those, those 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also do our uh, social media, our monthly newsletters and calendars and um, various outreach initiatives going out into the community to speak and to talk about the new Canadian Centre. And then another part of my role is uh, in community development programming. So through my role as outreach worker, I run three outreach programs. Okay. Um, one of them being the Living Library. Also work with one of my colleagues um, on a training module that helps community members reflect and discuss what what welcoming means, what diversity and inclusion means, particularly right. as it relates to newcomers. Yeah. And then I also work on a partnership between the New Canadian Centre and about 30 partners in our Welcome Pass program. All right. Um, So we have about 30 partners who offer uh, services to newcomers to help uh, enhance their engagement with our community uh, socially, culturally, Mm -hmm. um, whether that is a pass to a museum or to the library or or whatever. So so that's a great opportunity for newcomers uh, to access this pass and to begin to connect with our community as well. And and then the third part of my job um, happens in around the summer from around April to July where I plan the Multicultural Canada Day Festival, which is a huge undertaking, um, but it's a great celebration of community of culture um, and it's a chance for our clients our newcomers to share their culture with Peter Bro yeah. and to see their culture yeah. reflected in food and dance and performance as mm-hmm. well I think one of the most valuable aspects of doing the Multicultural Canada Day is to change our idea of, mm-hmm. of normal. And I think about this a lot as a parent because I, I work on creating a new normal for my kids mm-hmm. and I work on creating you know different different understandings yeah. from when I was a kid as someone who you know grew up in Kingston, Ontario. Yeah. And the first time that I knew about the new Canadian Centre mm-hmm. Multicultural Canada Day, I didn't understand that it was for me to attend. Right, right. I, I thought it was this other event yeah. for clients yeah. of the new Canadian Centre. Yeah. I hear from, from a lot of our clients that it, it's the the one event of ours that they look forward to most yeah. because they can share part of themselves with our community and, and share their, their food, their dance, their music. So it's 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 great for them, but it's also yeah. great for our community as well to experience this new. It's so important to, to come together. Yeah. This sense of belonging, yeah. this sense of what is the Peterborough that I want to live in? Yeah. I have to be part of making it happen. Yeah, yeah. And it is wonderful to see the work that the New Canadian Centre yeah. does. Yeah. You must be very proud to get to do, I mean, you're still at the beginning yeah. of your career after yeah. university and you're already part of such important projects yeah. that impact a lot of lives. Yeah. How does yeah. that feel? It's it's wonderful. I, I never expected that I would be able to, to do all of the work that I currently do. Um, so so I'm, I'm very thankful that I was able to, to be provided this opportunity so early on in my career to, to be able to do these amazing projects um, yeah. that really do make an impact. Um, not just in in our community, but also on my life. Um, as an immigrant myself, being able to to do these things also helps me helps me understand and reflect on my experiences as well. Yeah. So it's very it's very meaningful work, for sure. Do you think you'll stay in Peterborough for a long time, or is this just temporary? I don't know. Yeah. I love it right now, and so I. It's a, not really a question that I have thought about too much, but yeah. I don't really see it changing 
anytime soon, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. It, it feels enough like home for you not to be yeah, waiting for the next time. It's to getting leave. there for sure. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> When, when we first formed the project, one of the first steps that we did was to find the speakers. And so yeah. connecting with people who might have a story that they want to share. And I never considered that I would share my story. I considered myself as the coordinator for yeah. the project. I was, I'd never, never thought to myself that I would do this. And I remember uh, sitting in my weekly check-in with my boss, Yvonne, and I was updating her on the people that I wanted to, to ask to be part of this project. And she kind of stopped and she's like, what about you? And I I kind of started to feel anxious. I'm like, oh no, like I could never do this. Yeah. And she's like, oh, why? And she really helped me see that there was a story there that kind of stayed with me throughout this project because although she didn't know my full story, she knew that there was a story there and she knew that from your experiences that you could find something to share mm-hmm. and everyone has a story in them and that stayed with me throughout. So uh, for me, like I welcome anyone who wants to share their story, however small you may think it is because it's your story and there is something there that you want to share. And so that was a lesson that I learned from her and I thank her for pushing me to to not only do this project but to share my story yeah. as part of the project. And it has meant a world of difference for me because I talked about how I found a community in Peterborough and part of that is because of this project. Yeah. When you go out to share your story or when I accompany a speaker, I see a welcoming Peterborough who wants to hear that story, yeah. who wants to engage critically and meaningfully with that story and who wants to who sees that person in front of them as a as a human being and as a person and is interested and in that that really helps you feel heard and helps you feel seen. Mm-hmm. What a gift. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for, yeah. you know, bringing all the people in over the past weeks yeah. so that we could produce this project. Thank you. Thank you for being part of it. Yeah. The music used in this series was taken from local musician Evan Sheffield's album, White Rhino, featuring samples from the track White Owl. 